welcome to episode 2076 of Effectively Wild, a Pangrass baseball podcast brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I'm Meg Rally of Fangrass, and I am joined by Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Ben, how are you? Doing quite all right. How are you? You know, I'm doing fine. Good. I'm so happy that we have had not one but two CSs go uh, to a full seven. By the time people listen to this, we might know the full World Series matchup. But as we sit and record on Tuesday morning, we know one half of it will involve the Texas Rangers. And uh, despite uh, doubts... Uh, reasonable <laughs> doubts. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in position to, uh, you know, maybe advance themselves. They've yeah. forced a game seven, which I just tell you, Ben, not what I anticipated would <laughs> uh-huh. happen when faced with uh, having to go back to Philly and deal with Aaron Nola. Yep. Um, so, you know, uh, snakes alive, as they <laughs> apparently say. Yes. Uh, here we are. Yeah, the playoff competitiveness has improved since the last time we spoke, which yeah. was Friday prior to a couple of classic games Classics. that night. So that totally changed things. Did a stat blast about how uncompetitive the postseason had been and not a lot of lead changes and very few lead changes late in the game. And then we got those games when there were quite a few lead changes and late lead changes in both of them. And then the series have gone the distance. So not all of the games have continued to be classics. I would say that NLCS Game 6 and ALCS Game 7 were not really riveting individual games in terms of, again, no lead changes and the outcome was sort of set fairly early on, or at least it appeared to be. But the fact that one was a game seven and another was forcing a game seven that helps a lot because <laughs> yeah. when it looks like you're heading for possibly two sweeps after yeah. pretty quick early series in the postseason it just seemed like more of the same and fortunately the rangers and the astros uh, battled to the end and yeah. the diamondbacks made it a series so it, it turned out to be a lot more interesting than it looked early on now, would one say that the Game 7 that we got last night was competitive? I mean, one couldn't say that credibly for very long. Right. But it started out that way. You want bluster, you want excitement, you want uh, shebang. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were we were short on shebang, Ben. We yeah. were short on it. And now we have, you know, we don't have a lot. Like, I think that when we look back on at least the the early rounds of this postseason, we will um, probably recall being underwhelmed um, still, even with mm-hmm. the Game 7s. But um, it's not as bad as it could have been. And, you know, the World Series could look like anything. We just don't even know yet. Yeah. Well, I guess we can start with the most recent events and maybe work backward to anything that we want to mention so as not to bury the lead, which is that the Texas Rangers won the pennant. They won the pennant. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of neutral fans are probably relieved. There seems to be a general (laughs) sentiment of ding dong, the Astros are dead, right? Which I I don't come to to gloat or to dance on the Astros' graves, but generally, like a lot of people, I'm not unhappy to get some new blood in the World Series and in the postseason in general. So I guess in that sense, I'm pleased by the outcome yeah. just because uh, the Rangers, I don't know if you have know, know this, but they've never won a World Series ever right. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little known fact about the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I do. I do, in fact, know that about them. Mm-hmm. I have two things to say about the, the the relative newness of the field. And, of course, the Phillies get to throw out Ranger Suarez tonight. They have a, a good bullpen. They will probably not give Craig Kimbrell any high leverage moments. So we might end up with a repeat <laughs> attendee to the World Series. Famous obviously. last words, potentially. People might be listening to this right now saying, <laughs> Meg, how little you knew. How little I knew. I mean, like when when you're saying that like Zach Wheeler is available in relief, um, yeah. you know, I just think that something really bizarre um, and catastrophic would have to happen for um, it to come down to Kimbrel. And again, mm-hmm. someone might be saying, Meg, my stars, how little you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems unlikely to me. So we, we might end up with a repeat um, participant, obviously don't have the potential for a repeat winner. This is the first post, the first World Series in six years, Ben, that will not feature either the Astros or the Dodgers. And yeah. I, I think that's I think that's to the sport's benefit. And I don't say that to knock either of those clubs in particular, although I am going to have something to say about the Astros in a second that might annoy some people. But it's just good to have a variety, a mix, you know. It is a testament to the strength of those organizations that they so routinely feature because, you know, I was talking to a, a person who works for a club in this weekend and and they were like it's just so hard you know it's just so hard to get to this point um and you can't take it for granted and we were i think kind of close to taking it for granted that at least one of those two organizations would be a world series participant because the recent history has shown that to be true mm-hmm. um but it's good to have an infusion of of newness um it's always exciting when you have the potential for an organization to win its first world series i think that you know the success that the Rangers have had this year provides an an important sort of counterweight to the perception that the you know the seasons that the Mets and the Padres had which is that like you spend all this money and what is it good for it doesn't get you anywhere and it's like Mm -hmm. well it got the Texas Rangers to the World Series at least in part you know it wasn't exclusively those guys and it wasn't exclusively the spending but it it did contribute quite a bit Mm -hmm. although it is funny that like an ARB one guy who was released by literally this ball club like 20 months ago, he didn't single-handedly defeat the Astros, Ben. That's an absurd <laughs> thing to to say because this is baseball and that's not how it works. But boy, mm-hmm. did Adolis Garcia have a lot to do with it. <laughs> yeah, he had a decent series. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people ducking on the Cardinals for how they cast Adolis Garcia loose. And, and the Rangers did basically the yeah. same thing a year later. It's not and, like the Rangers yeah. knew anything. Like, no. <laughs> they gave him a shot. But, it's very but, hard to know things. Yeah, it, it took like a bunch of guys getting hurt and being unavailable yeah. for him to even get a chance. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's not an example of, wow, the Rangers are, are so wise and their scouting acumen surpassed as everyone else. <laughs> I'm sure they saw something they liked in him at some point, but they were quite willing to yeah. cut him loose and, oh, and yeah. to start anyone else over Adolis Garcia. So it's, I'm sure they've had a hand in his vast improvement since then, yeah. but it seems like it's largely a testament to Adolis Garcia for yeah. persisting in the face of yes. adversity on the field and uh, people not believing in him for fairly 
valid reasons, yeah. <laughs> performance-wise, and uh, turning himself into a heck of a player. Even even his breakout, like he's he's become a better player since his breakout. He's yes. he's not a flawless player. No. He can be beaten even on his heater that he's had and and a, a sterling postseason. Sure. Uh, he hasn't walked once this postseason. No, I think, he which, sure has not. Not even <laughs> which, one time. You know when he's hitting five homers in Doesn't the matter. series. Yeah, uh, you're not complaining about the lack of Mm-mm. walks, but but that tells you the kind of hitter he is, and yes. that might lead to some streakiness from time to time. Sure. <laughs> but certainly a scintillating player. Oh, man. Whatever else you might say about him, just like his, his good friend, Randy Rosarena, who yeah. dominated the playoffs a few years ago. Yes. He has that, that same sort of rising to the moment and yes. also making the most of rising to the moment like yeah. he's not a shrinking violet out no. there uh, he is uh, enjoying every one of his clouts and like you know you can tell his i mean i'm sure you'd have to be you'd have to be a real stinker for your teammates to not enjoy you if you had done what he did yeah. not only in the the postseason generally but in the cs in particular but like you know his guys seem to really like him. It's nice. It's a it's a nice thing, but yeah, I mean he hit three fifty seven, four hundred, eight ninety three with a five thirty woba and a two forty six wrc plus in the cs. Like, yep. you know, fifteen rbi. Uh, he hit five home runs as you said. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, that's really uh, I don't know Ben. It's really good. It's pretty good. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've been trying to quantify how good it is it's it's hard because we have the the power of the fancraft postseason leaderboards now and we can sort these things every which way so what do you sort by is the thing we're so used to sorting by war often when it comes to regular season stats can't do that with postseason stats no not yet at least until david appleman and sean dolanar figure that out someday potentially but but you could sort by win probability added. You could sort by WRC plus, And then do you need some plate appearance minimum? You could sort by something a little more arcane, like weighted runs above average or RE24 or something like that, which are maybe the closest we can come currently to playoff war, but just aren't as well known as stats, right? Or do you look at the whole postseason or do you look at just the series? Like if you go right. by RE24, this was the the fourth best CS ever. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't sound as impressive maybe as it was to watch. I guess partly because he packed a lot of that production into the later games of the series. And also he struck out four times in that one game before right. he hit the Grand Slam, which yeah. you kind of you know forget because he hit the Grand Slam and then the subsequent home runs and all the theatrics to go with the heroics and everything. So there have been better series and there have been better postseasons, but he's been really riveting to watch yeah. recently, at least. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And like he he got his home runs. He got beaned. He got mm-hmm. angry about being beaned. He got mm-hmm. beat on uh, on some strikeouts, and then he had a bunch more home runs and uh, got to emerge victorious. Like mm-hmm. it was a narrative full of mostly highs, but like lows that also enhanced your enjoyment of the later highs. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you could shrink from the moment having been beaned and caused this fracas and all of this tension, and you know. Comments laced with paranoia from the Houston <laughs> yeah. Astros. We're gonna talk about it, Ben, but mm-hmm. we're we're gonna appreciate Adolis Garcia first. Yeah. And so uh, you know, it, it could have been that he sort of faded into the sticky Houston night 
And Mm -hmm. instead, he is going to play in the World Series. So that has to feel pretty good for him, even if he feels pretty lousy for the Astros. So Yeah. Yeah. And the the one time that I will sound almost all old school and and Mm. will frown upon a player celebrating something they did, admiring one of their clouts. Oh, is is, when you don't end up on second base when you should. Yes. When when you (laughs) call it wrong. (laughs) When you you start walking, you think you got it all and then you didn't. And then you... Potentially, probably cost yourself a, a base in a pretty important game, but then but immediately then, he made you up for it. it. You just <laughs> steal it. You're stole like, second ah. and scored, so yep. no harm done. No harm <laughs> which, done. Which I feel like I would want to do if I were oh, yeah. talented like Adolis Garcia. If I screwed up in that way and you know semi embarrassed myself by by admiring my shot, and then it turned out to hit the top of the wall, and I ended up at first base, and it was an important hit. Anyway, right, but but still, it's not the best look. I would probably be very eager to immediately steal second base if I had that capacity just to undo the mistake, I guess. There's no way we can uh, query for that, unfortunately. Just uh, look up all the times that someone admired what they thought was a home run and it turned out not to be, and then they ended up at first base. So did they steal at an above-average rate or attempt to steal at an right. above-average rate? I would be more likely to throw over there, I think, just knowing, like, well, he try to have a makeup steal here just to erase the stain of that. But yeah, I don't think anyone really remembers that because not only did he steal that pace and come around to score, but then he subsequently did hit home runs. So did did not matter. (laughs) Not at all. Well, and this has always been my... I I don't have any like old school unwritten rules objection to celebrating one's home runs. I don't... You know, I'm not always like... I appreciate that for the most part, the guys who do it don't celebrate at the pitcher because that feels a little rude. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having a big moment in a series and you hit a home run, like, you should – I'm going to do a swear. You should pimp the shit out of that. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's totally fair game in my opinion. Yeah. I would never do it, though, because right. what happened to him in that moment, which, again, didn't end up mattering, that is what I would fear, that I would, mm-hmm. like – misjudge it and you know if it was me hitting it first of all it would never get far enough for me to be confused but imagine for a moment that it did i would be like it wouldn't be a matter of it becoming a long single i'm sure it would just be a fly out and i'd be like well now i'm going to be made fun of on the internet for the rest of my life but Mm -hmm. the rest of them went far or were in the air for so long I also, do we know that the guy who got hit by Nathaniel Lowe's home run is okay? Because there was a, a right. fan who took that ball right in the chest. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm concerned for him. You know, yeah. is, he, is he doing okay? I hope so. I don't know. Can't confirm. Yeah. Uh, Adolis Garcia, pretty good baseball. What a fun trajectory. What a ride. Do you want to talk about the Astros a little bit? Because I have a couple of like, I have some <laughs> meta thoughts, but I, I also have some thoughts about like, did it strike you that maybe some of the, the pitchers were in too long, that maybe Martin Maldonado should not have had some of the at-bats that he did? It. I don't know that this was... Um, I'm loath to speak ill of him because it sounds like he might have reached the, the end of the road in terms yes, of his managerial career. Say, yeah. But um, it. I don't know that it was Dusty's, like, best managed game. Um, no. Or, yeah. or last couple games, even. Yeah. There were times when he showed a willingness to adapt and to pinch yes. hit for Maldonado and even for yeah. Jeremy Pena, right? Yeah. And Oh, Jeremy Pena had a terrible <laughs> postseason, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's just I'm I'm fooled by the body or something. It's like a selling With jeans Pena? thing because I look at him. Oh, and I'm yeah. like this guy's great, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, and 
he had a, you know, he, the first half of his rookie year, yeah. he was incredible. Yeah. And then his second half was like kind of meh. And then he hit like, you know, he basically won them the the division series last year. I mean, he won the game that helped them advance to the, mm-hmm. the championship series last year with that home run in the, the very long game against Seattle. But yeah, he, for the entirety of the postseason, he hit... 200, 238, 225, he had a 28 WRC+. You mm-hmm. know, it was worse than Martin Maldonado, and that's not that's yeah. not territory you want to occupy. And, like, wh- whatever, it's 42 plate appearances, but um, he's not, like, a, a force in the way that I think you're thinking of him as. But I get mm-hmm. it. Like, you look at him, and you're like, that guy's probably a good baseball yeah. player. <laughs> right, yeah. And, you know, he's still a, a productive, valuable big oh, leader because yeah. of the glove and everything. But, yeah. Yeah, I keep expecting the bat to be better. Maybe it will yeah. be. Who knows? Maybe it will be, but it's it's right around league average right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dusty, in addition to his affection for Maldonado, he he developed an affection for Mauricio Dubon, yeah. which was uh, perhaps similarly debilitating, although he at least had some empty average. Right. But yeah, and then, you know, Jonathan Singleton, I, I know he kind of came through once, but then... Yeah. Gosh, for a pinch hitter, he is not very good at hitting. <laughs> and if, if there's any concern about long layoffs, he has not been busy of late either. And then right. uh, one of the, the weirder decisions, which may not have mattered at all, but but going to France yeah. in in Game 7, right? Yeah. Like, J.P. France, yeah. you know, if, if not the worst pitcher on your staff, I don't know, second to, to last yeah. on the depth chart, right? And yeah. then... And then yeah. leave him in. He, he yeah. just let... He was right. in for a long time. It was too long a time. He hooked Javier in the first, of course, like things were running off the rails, yeah. and, and he went out there and made that move quickly. And, yes. But... To put in France when it was still a winnable game, right? It, yeah. it was the fourth inning. They were down four to four two. Four two, yeah. With the Astros' offense, uh, I mean, we know they eventually scored a couple more runs, but you got to figure they would score some more. And you have a a pretty full, relatively rested pen by yeah. that point. Yeah. You have Brian Abreu available. <laughs> and, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, you have uh, a wealth of options, so that just seemed like a weird call. Yeah. Like that, that seemed like a lack of urgency in that moment. You got to do what you can to keep that close. Yeah, and then to to like to leave him in as long as he did. Like I thought the decision to pull Javier was the right one because it was clear he did not have it, you know. And then Brown, like he, you know, he he gave up that home run but like is if it's it's Adolis Garcia we've just established that he's the best baseball player on the planet sure and they had chased Scherzer right it was four to two I just you know we know how shaky the Rangers pen has been and obviously like they countered with Montgomery and so you knew that it was going to be a little tougher sledding than you might have expected from you know some of the weaker parts of that bullpen but it's an argument to to try to keep it close because eventually Jordan Montgomery is going to be done. He's not going to throw the rest of the game and he didn't throw the rest of the game. So keep it close so that you're, you know, in a position where your very good and potent lineup can counter these runs. It just didn't, I I mean, like maybe, maybe 
he's sitting there and he has a good reason to go to France, but sticking with him as long as he did just made very little sense. Like he got, he got, got bad. Mm -hmm. And like, you, you know, at a certain point you've satisfied the three batter minimum, get him out of there and try to bring someone else in to, to limit the damage. But it did not go that way. And yeah. then, I don't know. It, that's like the worst kind of end to a game seven, as excited as we were for a game seven. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. okay, by the time you get into the later innings, like you have a, like a, I think they had a seven run deficit in the eighth, but yeah. you know that it's just going to take a while. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's like this slog, but you know, what else are you going to do? And the, they tried to, they tried to make it a little bit of something in mm -hmm. the ninth because. Also, why was Jose Leclerc in this game? You know, like, why? I guess you want him to be able to be the guy who's on the mound when you clinch. But also, like, why? Why? Yeah. He, one of his arms is going to fall off. And you just have to hope it's not the pitching one because right. he's been yeah. out there for so long. World Series so doesn't many. start till Friday. But still, know, once but still, you're this late in the playoffs, yeah, yeah there's, there's a cumulative tired. wear and tear there. Yes. Yeah, so, so if... Dusty does retire. We wish him well and uh, happy sure, trails. Yeah, and totally. he's had an incredible career, but it was, was not the best little swan no. song or the way to go out there. And I guess that's sort of a shame because uh, there are people who still have sort of, I think, out of date ideas about Dusty as a manager. I and I think he's he's gotten better over the course of his career as an in-game manager. And yes. that wasn't the best illustration of that, but no. who knows whether it actually made any difference in the end. But yeah, we can talk about other Astros, less less loved Astros. Well, let's talk about a very good Astro, though, before we talk mm -hmm. about that. I'm just going to keep delaying the meta discourse. Mm -hmm. Boy, did Jordan Alvarez have a good postseason. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, mm -hmm. like uh, you can't. Uh, there's something very special about a guy who is hitting so well, and it's not that Jordan isn't capable of streakiness or whatever, but like a guy that is hitting so well that when you hold him to a single, it feels like you've accomplished something, you know, mm -hmm. like you've given up a hit and that's, you know, there are shades of bad, but it's never a good thing to do. Right. And yep. if you, you hold that guy to a single, you're like, man, we, we crushed yeah. it. Cause he yeah. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, Jordan has had a, much better postseason than Adolis Garcia yeah. on the whole, if you yeah. go by WRC Plus or just yeah. the slash stats or, or anything, right? Not to put Garcia down, but, but Jordan was just a total monster once monster. more. He is pretty unstoppable. He's incredible. But it was not a one-man lineup, but, mm -mm. but at times he was kind of carrying those Astros. Sure. I mean, you know, you were still getting contributions from another postseason legend, Jose Altuve, and yeah. uh, you were getting some pop from Bregman from time to time. And but, Abreu, too, even. Yeah, Abreu, right, which wasn't yeah. really expected. But nope. the bottom of that Astros Ooh. lineup, I mean, you always knew that there were going to be some weak spots and some yeah. relatively easy outs there. But then Kyle Tucker didn't have yeah, a good postseason. Crummy, crummy postseason. Brantley, who, Brantley, who knows how Brantley is physically ever yeah. really. But, but yeah, it was kind of once you got past Jordan, you could breathe a little bit easier, yeah. which I guess would be the case in any lineup because he's maybe the best hitter in baseball, but, but especially with the way the rest of that lineup was hitting. So yeah, he and Garcia and 
Schwarber, for that yeah. matter, who's having a legendary postseason again. <laughs> like a lot of reputations being burnished, right? I mean, yeah. Nathan Avaldi yeah. and, and Zach Wheeler, like yeah. a, a lot of people who came into this already with some some pretty impressive postseason credentials yes. have only improved them this year. Yeah, I, I struggle to think that like there's a real skill to it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like skill to it, but there's <laughs> I, I I struggle to think there's like a special postseason skill, right? There's yeah. not like a switch you flip, mm-hmm. but it is I, it's very cool. Like, it's just a very cool thing when when a guy sustains it such that you're like, there's something special in there come October. And again, is it real? But also um, it it feels real. And mm-hmm. who am I to say that that's insufficient? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It happened. It was real. It was real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, have we Should delayed we? long enough? Yeah, let's <laughs> Must do it. we? Yeah. Like, okay, so I have I have a couple of thoughts. Well, mm-hmm. let me start with, well, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Abreu? Do you want to start with whining? Um, <laughs> do you want to start with Abreu-related whining? Like, where would you like to, where yeah, would you I like guess- to begin? I guess Abreu, because the the whining was prompted by the Abreu incident and the suspension and everything. Round one of the whining was prompted by that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so look, do do I think that Brian Abreu threw at Adolis Garcia on purpose? Ben, you know, here's the thing. It would be a dumb place to do it, um, Mm -hmm. but I kind of think he did. Yeah. Like, I don't (laughs) want to... I don't know for sure, you know, who can who can ever know the heart of another person. Mm-hmm. And I will admit to having a particular lens on this Astros team because of the Mariners. And mm-hmm. so that does introduce the potential for a bit of bias here. But I will say that it would not be the first time I've observed the Astros being kind of petulant and seemingly throwing at guys on purpose. And so I think that there's a, a, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but, you know, is there, I think there's a reasonable chance that it was just a mistake and he didn't mean to plunk Garcia. I also think that there's a not small chance um, that he did it on purpose and maybe thought to himself, well, no one's going to think I was doing this on purpose. This is a really stupid moment to throw at somebody on purpose. I'm going to have great plausible deniability here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, a possibility also. I think that uh, don't throw people on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's bad. I don't know if Sarah Chapman threw at uh, Chas McCormick on purpose. I sure hope not because he threw 104 miles an hour. And like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't really ever do it on purpose, but you really shouldn't do it if you're throwing 104. Poor yeah. Chas McCormick, like, he has to go home and he's going to sit weird for like a week at least. Yep. You know, because yeah. that, that bruise is going to be a big. <laughs> It's going to yeah. be a big bruise. And even though it wasn't his butt, like, you know, when you sit down, your your hammy's making contact with stuff. That's going to hurt for a while, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. The Abreu pitch to Garcia was 99. So that's right. not exactly coming in slowly. But yeah, when I saw it initially, I thought, well, gosh, what a, this is the worst time to throw at someone intentionally. Right. Like, yeah. you know, why would you? Why would you? <laughs> right? It was extremely ill-advised, just uh, putting aside all the reasons why it's better not to intentionally <laughs> throw at people with right. a weapon, basically. But but also, it's uh, game six of the ALCS, and you have a 
4-2 deficit, right? And it's the eighth inning and your opponent already has a runner on base and no outs and they've got something going. And so to put someone on base in that situation, very, very counterproductive. Counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, but... But players don't always do the thing that they should do based no. on wit expectancy. You know, they're not always no. consulting the tables and making decisions accordingly. No. So if emotions come into play, then they may make a dumb decision. Yeah. All of us have let our emotions get the best of us, not oh, yeah. in an ALCS game, but, but emotions ran high. Yep. And there was history between these two teams, of course, yep. going back to their last regular season matchup. And one of the umpires at this game, Dan Bellino, had been at, at that last right. blow up. So he was familiar with the way that went down. And Garcia, of course, had admired his home run earlier in the game and, and right. walked most of the way down the first baseline before yep. finally breaking into his trot. And he immediately took it as intentional. And I guess in a lot of these cases, we're reading body language, sure. which is pretty unreliable, probably. Yep. You know, it's like when Junk there's science. some, yeah, when there's some tragedy and, and people are like, you know, scrutinizing whether the person right. cried or something. It's like they, yes. they didn't show appropriate sadness outwardly. So they're a suspect or something yeah. like sometimes that might be true. But other times, no, not at all. It's just right. that people process these things and respond to these things differently. So yes. there are many times when a pitcher will drill a hitter and will not evince any sign of remorse or right. or apology, right? Like, I, I feel like if I were to hit a hitter, I would immediately be like, oh, sorry, oops, yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't mean to do that. And, and a lot of players will make some sort of gesture and, and apologize or at least show some sign of, of being sad, <laughs> regretting right. their, their mistake. And Abreu did not at yeah. all. Now, you know, other guys... Just the way that hitters will sometimes refuse to show that that hurt, <laughs> right. even though it obviously did. Pitchers will sometimes refuse to show any sign that that they didn't do it intentionally. Because even if it wasn't intentional, maybe there's some intimidation value or something sure. to telegraphing that. Maybe you want to look like a hardcore competitor who might hit you on purpose, even if you actually didn't. But he certainly didn't recoil or or respond right. like oh no uh, how could i and and he is someone with generally excellent control who does yep. not hit people typically right. so it it would have been a big mistake unusual for him and he very much took it in stride so yep. When you weigh all of that, I don't know what it comes out to, like my percentage confidence that it yeah. was on purpose or not. But like my baseline in that situation would be no way. Right. And watching it play out, I was not no way. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, I was a good way from no way. Yeah. And so this happens. The bench is clear. Garcia is very upset. You know, there are ejections. We have Dusty refusing to leave the dugout, which was like the greatest. And then a suspension is handed down to Abreu mm -hmm. for an in-series incident. Yeah. And he appeals the suspension. It goes to an ar arbitrator. Is that the mm -hmm. right term here? Yep. Here's the appeal before game seven. Decides 
that he should serve a suspension for intentionally throwing at a guy and then decides that that will happen in April, mm-hmm. that that suspension will be served in April. And, like, there are a couple of things here. So, like, one thing that we know is that all six of the umpires on the field on the night of the incident agreed that it was intentional. And so some of what the league is maybe having to grapple with here is, like, massaging the relationship they have with the umpires and the umpires' union, right? Mm-hmm. They generally don't like to overturn, especially a unanimous decision on the part of the umpires, like, they tend to not mess with that. But also, you can, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You could say, look, we we looked at it, we, under, we appreciate what they thought, but we just don't think that there's sufficient evidence here to determine that the, that the pitch was an intentional hit-by-pitch, and so no suspension. They could do that. Instead, they're, like, doing this weird halfway nonsense where they mm-hmm. are rendering a logically inconsistent decision and not doing anything to deter future bad acts, either by the Astros or anyone else, right? Because mm-hmm. if the penalty for intentionally throwing at a guy in a playoff game is that you serve a two-game suspension next season when, you know, you're going to take a pay cut because of that. But, like, in April, when the Astros' bullpen will be very rested and it has minimal impact on their ability to win games, you're not deterring that behavior going forward. So, like, Chapman—I'm not saying Chapman threw at Chas McCormick on purpose. I don't know. Chapman, unlike Abreu, throws the ball all over the place these days. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. like— you know, the idea that he might miss and plunk Chaz McCormick, who did not throw up, and I maintain that that is ridiculous, because if I were hitting the hamstring with a 104-mile-an-hour fastball, I would just immediately throw up on the field. And <laughs> I, I think that we need to spend time thinking about this point of difference. I've already mm-hmm. brought it up on the pod before, but I am right. It is – they're, <laughs> no, in, right. they're yeah. amazing. Yeah, well, Sam wrote about this recently, and and what he concluded is that not only are baseball players probably physically tougher <laughs> than most of us are, and you know by the time they get to the big leagues, uh, they've been plunked who knows how many times in their lives. So I guess they've maybe developed some sort of outer <laughs> protective. Uh, I, they don't have harder skin than anyone else, but you know they've experienced that sort of pain before. But but also he noted. They handle the the hitting better in the sense that they they contort themselves into a better position to receive the plunk than we would. Like we would not react quickly enough right. to be hit in the way that would minimize the the damage oh, and the pain. Absolute, absolutely not. Yeah, and I'd just some, be dead. Yeah, and and sometimes players aren't either. Obviously, sometimes they get hurt in the worst possible way, and they can't twist out of the way in time. Right, but a Which lot is of why the time, you shouldn't throw it, guys, on purpose. Yes, but a lot of the time, because they're so experienced and they're conditioned and they've been through this before, they are able to present a part of their body that would hurt a little less or would be less likely to sustain some long term damage. Right, so so I think. That is maybe one of the things that sets us apart. It's, it's not just like our our pain thresholds or how good we are at hiding right. what we're feeling, but it's also the fact that they put themselves in a position where it would probably hurt less than it would if we were in that same position, but it's still got to hurt a lot, yeah. <laughs> it, which makes sense. If, if they're able to get their bats to the point that they could make solid contact with a ball thrown by a major league pitcher, which we could not do, then I guess it, it makes sense that they could also 
get their bodies in such a position that it might do a little less long-term damage or even short-term pain than we would. But but that said, I think probably being plunked by a pitch like that on any part of our body right. <laughs> would, would be just uh, that's it for me. Like I'm I'm done for today and possibly like a good long while after that. I will just be in bed icing this for the next week or so. Yeah, it would be it would be disastrous. I would just be I'd need to be carried around, you know, yeah. like I'd, yeah. I would just need to be carried around after that. But all yeah, of that to say post hit by pitch litter, just uh, yeah. just people just transporting yeah. you from place to place because, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm too weak to move. Yeah, after that, just, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so all of that to say, like, it can be very bad and it can be very damaging and like you can you can hit a guy you can try to be hitting him like not hard and it can injure him. It can compromise his availability for the remainder of the series. I'm not saying that like he hit Mitch Garver on purpose, but like that guy needs to get rib x-rays now. So, you know, these things can have consequences for the hitters involved. And so if you're going to say he did it on purpose, there needs to be a more immediate consequence to it than we'll see him next season, you know? And I understand that there's a reluctance on the part of the league to like intervene in discipline that is going to have a potential impact on the series. And I know that the, the determination of, you know, this is a, a purpose pitch is a judgment call. And so you are introducing, you know, potential error into a a really high stakes moment for all of the players involved. But I just think that if you're going to say he did it on purpose, then like he has to, he has to sit for a little bit, you know, it can't Mm -hmm. just be, and he gets to go out there again. And for him to then, I don't know if him hitting Mitch Garver then makes me think that it was less on purpose. Cause it's like, maybe this guy's command is just deteriorated in a weird way. All of a sudden, I I don't know, but like that, and then it's like, okay, so toss him now. Like he's hit another guy. You just have to be, you just have to be done now, you know? And (laughs) yeah, uh, I I thought actually that, that made me think it was more likely because that struck me as even more clearly intentional, like just sort of a spiteful, Hey, I'm here. We're losing. We're, we're probably going to go out, but I'm going to get one last lick in here. Right. Because I'm eligible to pitch. Like in that case, it was, you know, they were down eight to two in the sixth and Garver. Yeah. That, that looked like it hurt a whole lot just with the placement of that pitch. And because, Abreu just does not hit a lot of guys. Yeah. Like he hit three batters the entire regular season in seventy-two innings, right. and now you're telling me that he hit batters in back-to-back games here. Like, yeah. it's certainly statistically possible, but it seems like a sort of spiteful fu on the way out. <laughs> it looked like to be, and and if he's capable of that, if that one was intentional then that retroactively adjusts my thinking for the previous one, right? Because if he is someone who is willing to hit a batter on purpose, then that says to me that he would have been willing to do that the day before as well. So I guess the Rangers are not unhappy that he wasn't ejected from that game because he then gave up that home run. I guess the the guy who got in the way of Nathaniel Lowe's home run maybe is unhappy because (laughs) he wore that one. But they got immediate payback by tagging him with that homer but right. but yeah i don't really understand how you could not 
eject him and like yeah. tack on an additional suspension potentially too if he's just gonna it's almost like you know kind of flouting the discipline it's like i'm just gonna do this again right, right? or at least right. there's a, a, a possibility that 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 was what would have happened right and so all of this happens and then the <laughs> the astros and their fans devolved into conspiracy-laden silliness. I'm going to call it silliness. Like The idea, you know, Ken Rosenthal had a piece in The Athletic about how anonymous uh, folks with the team were convinced that, like, this was the league showing favoritism to Chris Young because he used to work for the league. And, you know, then there was a lot of reaction on Twitter from Astros fans to their loss. And they're allowed to be disappointed because it's disappointing when you don't advance to the World Series. But I guess like I've I've been thinking a lot about this. I know that Michael Bauman has made a similar point to this. I feel like the Astros, both as an organization and as a fan base, are like caught in between in a way that is not to their to their benefit. Like after what happened in 2017, they needed to pick a lane. They either needed to do a full heel turn and just say, look, we are the villains. We are villains. We know everyone hates us. We're going to lean into that. This is, you know, our our bit now. We're, we're going to do the bit. They either needed to do that or they needed to, like, be very, very contrite and sad. And instead, they're, like, defensive and prone to this, like, paranoia that there's a, a grand conspiracy on the league's part to, like, you know, punish Abreu. And I just, you guys gotta, your, your, your vibes are off, right? Mm -hmm. Like you either need to lean into being the villains or you need to be like, yeah, we're really sorry about what happened in 2017. And they, they didn't do that. They're just like defensive and it reads as like kind of whiny and petulant. And it's weird because so few of the guys who are on that team are still on the Astros. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yet it has been this thing that has persisted. And, now, an, a counter argument to that might be, it's so few of the guys who are on the Astros. Why would they lean into being the heels? They weren't even there. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, fine. That's a fair That's a fair counter. But also, this is just like a weird bit of, you You seem so whiny. Don't be whiny. Like, mm-hmm. whiny, is, whiny is the worst posture for anyone to take. Because mm-hmm. you, no one likes whining. Everyone, there's a reason that parents say, don't whine, you know? Like, or why your, your partner might say, don't whine. Whining is annoying. Whine is an inherently annoying posture. So just don't do that. Do other stuff. Be, mm-hmm. be heels or be, you know, like, yeah. And this is the worst, you know? And so that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, as a lot of people pointed out, it, it's not as if MLB has a history of over-punishing the Astros. No. <laughs> so, and, and I guess the precedent for a deferred suspension incurred during the postseason and not served until the following regular season, one would be Yuli Gurriel in 2017, although that was not an unfueled infraction. It was right. not the same issue. It was not hitting someone, potentially injuring someone. It was his offensive gesture. I guess the the best case for MLB sort of, or the arbitrators, or both, sort of the the Solomon splitting the baby solution here that doesn't really make anyone happy, and not in the way that they say a good compromise leaves everyone unhappy, but just in a way that everyone's pissed because it it right. seems like it just doesn't send a clear message right. one way or, or the other. 
The best defense or argument, I guess, would be that postseason games just such outsized importance like you suspend a reliever for two games in the regular season it's basically meaningless like the games are so much lower stakes there's a good chance that the reliever wouldn't pitch in those games anyway yeah whereas if you're one of the top relievers on a playoff team and you're going into you know game seven of the alcs and you got the world series like you're you're leaning heavily on that pitcher so there is just a magnifying effect there where i guess you could say it's it's disproportionate by the standards that mlb has set now i think the standards mlb has set are too lax when it comes to plunking someone on purpose if you've decided that that's what happened and you're punishing someone for that then i i think it's fine for there to be a, a severe penalty But because there's usually, unless it's a repeat offender or some really egregious case, usually MLB has been pretty lax about actually coming down hard on pitchers for this sort of thing. Yeah. Which I guess maybe might be because there's never absolute proof that it was intentional. So, you know, there's there's some reasonable doubt, I suppose, in, in most cases. But if you really want to dissuade people from doing it, then then you have to actually be harsh sometimes, it seems like. And they're not usually. And so they might say, look, it's the playoffs. Like, we don't want these most important games to be decided by this. Like, we want the the teams to be at their best and have it be a contest between the best teams or at least the best teams that are left standing in our weird, wacky, random playoff format. And I guess I'm... Semi-sympathetic to that in principle, just in the sense that, like, man, what is it? Like, I don't know, 10 times more more damaging to your season odds or your championship win probability or whatever. It's way more damaging to have that come at this point than to come in the regular season. But you could still say, well, then, you know, it's a a classic kind of play stupid games, win stupid prizes sort of, you know, it's, oh no, the consequences of my own actions kind of thing, right? Like if you're going to hit someone in one of these games that matters a lot, you could say, well, if Abreu was endangering Garcia here, then that's even more important than it would be in the regular season. Because what if Garcia hadn't been available in game seven because he got hurt, you know, then he doesn't have the huge game that he has. So maybe it's it's fair then, you know, if you're going to take a shot at someone, then you deserve to have a equivalent shot taken at at you, like a proportionate response sort of. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it seems very inconsistent like what, what message are you sending here did he right. do it on purpose if or so didn't he? yeah, yeah. And if he didn't then don't suspend him right and if he did then you gotta make an example you gotta actually have some punishment some consequences for that right yeah yeah, yeah. you do ben it's, you do it's it's a thornier issue maybe than it seems just because of the time of year and sure. and the stakes of these games but yes yeah that doesn't change my mind <laughs> totally it makes me weigh it a little longer and uh you know chew it around a bit more about what i think the appropriate response is but ultimately i come down on yeah that's not the way i would have handled it and i just you know like oh, whining 
it's just so annoying. The whining is so annoying. And it's just like this conspiratorial grievance-based thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm contradicting myself. Maybe this is their version of the heel turn. And so mm-hmm. I shouldn't ask for that because I clearly find it aggravating. Yeah. But it's like, you guys read the room a little bit. I mean, here's the thing about it, and this is not the standard by which I think the league or its sort of subordinates should determine punishment or, you know, sort of met out justice or anything like that. But, like, if the league had been keen to make an example, right, to say, hey, we've been lax in our enforcement with this stuff in the past, and we recognize the, you know, the very real danger it presents when pitchers think that they can plunk a guy 99 on purpose and Mm -hmm. you know who no one likes the astros so sorry you're suspended for the rest of this postseason for (laughs) these two games for whatever like they could have done that and they would have gotten guff from the the team and you know the players union might have had something to say about that because they want you know punishment to be proportional which is a good philosophy but like it was there for them if they Mm -hmm. had wanted to be arbitrary and capricious Mm -hmm. and probably skate on that you know motivation because of what team it was and they decided not to do that they decided to do this weird split the baby thing so this is a terrible expression like i I know what the (laughs) origins of it are and it's just like the worst it's the worst like why do we indulge this you know we should come up with different words so yeah but anyway so i when you cultivate sort of a general vibe of like a little bit of paranoia a little bit of grievance a bunch of whining some amount of pettiness If you're going to do that, you shouldn't then subsequently expect sympathy from people because those are all pretty unsympathetic as as sort of vibes and postures go. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be some of that. And then I'm just going to say, because I know this isn't every fan of the Astros, the argument being made by some, not all, by some, that like the Rangers bought their, you know, their World Series it doesn't matter. Even mm-hmm. if it were true, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter because the thing about it is they're going to play in the World Series and your favorite team is sitting at home. So yes. I think that a more productive line of thinking for any fan base, this is not true of just the Astros, is like, well, why, why isn't my team spending in a way that makes this easier? It's also very funny because it's like not a huge difference between these two clubs in terms of their payroll right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in terms of their, I think it's like, what? It's less than $10 million. It's like $14 million. That's what we put it at. So who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a reliever, you know? You're like a reliever's separation. That's Mm -hmm. nothing. Yes. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. You 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 both you pulled the same deadline move. You did the same thing. <laughs> you did the exact same thing. It was yep. different guys. One of them was Verlander and the other was Scherzer. But like the, the it was the same move. You did the same thing. Everyone relax. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, <sighs> so there's been a lot of whining by whining. by multiple teams this postseason there's for so different different reasons, different targets, uh, yeah. different different things. They're shaking their fists at the sky uh, about, yeah. but. But yeah, there's been a lot of uh, not the most gracious losing, I guess you could say. <laughs> I just and look, when we're disappointed and feel bad, like we aren't always at our very best. And I want to have sympathy for that. And I want to extend grace to the, you know, that idea because I'm not at my best when I'm disappointed. But you could just say, I'm really disappointed. I wish that my team had won. This sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you can mm-hmm. just do that. You don't have to worry about how the Rangers owner is spending his money. That's that's not your problem. That's not your job. 
You know, <laughs> that's not that's not your problem. So yeah. don't worry about it. You know, you can worry about how your owner is spending his money and if it's in a way that is going to enhance the competitive nature of your favorite baseball team. But like, this, this is not your money. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. all very rich. They're going to be fine. You know, like it doesn't matter. Right, which could come up with Phillies Diamondbacks as well, or has already, sure. I suppose. So yes, yeah. and I, and I am going to say to the D-backs fans listening to this, don't don't embarrass yourselves. Don't 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 do it. If mm-hmm. you guys lose tonight, just be disappointed. You can just be disappointed. Don't make it about how they signed Trey Turner. This mm-hmm. why didn't you sign Trey Turner? You know, I mean, like I know why you didn't sign Trey Turner, but like you know, just while you're in a more neutral emotional state just like make a pledge to yourself to not be embarrassing online you know just like <laughs> just make a little pledge and then just log off that's the other thing you can have the like not particularly like uh well-reasoned thing you can be petty you can do all of that it's fine to vent the spleen right just don't do it on twitter where people are going to dunk on you later just like you shouldn't wear a spacesuit to the Astros game and then have your team lose. You know, that's one of those that feels like a really good idea when you're leaving the house and probably feels really bad when you get home. Yeah. You know, like take your hat, take the helmet off. Like, you know, um, or maybe leave. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you do, but um, I I feel bad for those guys. (laughs) Don't love these Astros series where the road team wins every game, which uh, this is the second time it's ever happened in a best of seven and the previous time was the Astros losing to the Nationals in the 2019 World Series. I don't love it just as a spectator because it sort of sucks the air out of the room a little bit when right. when the yeah. home team is always yeah. losing then you're just going to get less loud crowds. If it's close, obviously they're going to get into it. Like there was there was a time in game 7 early on when the Rangers went up and then the the Astros answered, right? They answered the runs or at least uh, the last one and I kind of had the feeling like oh, here come the Astros, you know, the whole like the Astros are inevitable idea and they were not in this game, but Eventually, just the life leaves the building if it doesn't come down to the last plate appearance, right? And so, don't love it. I like seeing the home fans happy. So, I would rather it be reversed, I think, just so that you get the crowd into it more. Because it's a weird spectator experience when the crowd is constantly deflated because the home team is always losing. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Did you see that? I think it was Jordan Montgomery was asked about like, and you'll have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And he was like, I hope we play better than we do. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, can I take a moment to just appreciate Evan Carter talked about how much fun he was having like four different times in a one minute long stand up after the game. And it was a lovely it was lovely. He was just, that guy's having a great time. He is stoked to be there. He's playing very well. But boy, what a, <laughs> Yeah. it was so nice. He was just like, it was a very earnest, like genuine seeming moment where he's just like, how how could I be stressed? I'm having, this is so much fun. Right. You know, and I was like, that's great. That's yeah, great. right. Because you could obviously have the opposite reaction, which is I'm a kid and I just made the majors and here I am in the ALCS. This is overwhelming and intimidating. But no, if you're a professional athlete and you're wired the way they are, I guess right. it's uh, you can either be 
overwhelmed by the moment if you're young and new to it, or you could have an obliviousness to it, just to the stakes, uh, I guess. uh, I don't know. I'm not suggesting Evan Carter doesn't know these are really important games and a huge (laughs) interstate rivalry and everything, but but sometimes, you know, you're young, you you don't feel, I guess, how nervous you should be. (laughs) You could either be extra anxious or, like, less anxious than maybe you should be or that most people would be. Not that most of these baseball players are all that anxious you know they're professionals they they are good at these things but yeah i i enjoyed that exuberance of youth as well so is there anything else that we need to say about this series i i guess bruce bochi again i'm not like gonna hand him the credit for winning the series or something but he didn't make a lot of obvious mistakes you know there weren't a lot of and and maybe that's what Postseason managing is mostly about just not doing things that don't make sense, not doing things that hurt your team's odds. You're not going to help your team get the clutch hit, most likely. Maybe you can put a better hitter up there at the right moment, but you can't get the hit for them. And the Astros in the last couple games, they they had chances. They had rallies. They had base runners. They just they kept coming up empty in their losses. <laughs> they were unclutch, and in their wins, they were clutch. Funny how that works, right? But Bochi just, he didn't, you know, in the way that we were kind of critiquing Baker, there weren't that many times when I would have pointed to Bochi and say, what are you doing, Bruce, right? Like, it just, you know, he kind of played it right. I mean, he's had a lot of success in the postseason for a reason. The main reason being that his teams have happened to play well, probably. But also, he has at least not detracted from their efforts most of the time. It's funny because, like, in some ways, I imagine the general theme of his postseason was like very easy for him to identify going in try to minimize the bad relievers exposure to good hitters as much as possible mm-hmm. and like that's an easy takeaway um, from their regular season particularly the end actually executing it is harder and he got good lift from his um, from many of his starters being able you know like having Montgomery and Evaldi be this way during the postseason has certainly let and that load some. But yeah, like he he knew what his project was, and I think he's mostly made good on it pretty well. I mean, there have been a couple of times where I'm like, why is Rawls Chapman still in this game? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like at some point, somebody other than Jose Leclerc does have to throw yes. innings. Like yeah. it, it can't just be him and to a certain extent, Spores. So, you know, I think he's done a good job. I really enjoyed Chris Young on the stage after. Did you watch the post game at all? Did you see no. any of that? Um, first of all, you know, he hasn't gotten any shorter, which isn't <laughs> yeah. surprising. But, you know, he just was like uh, very effusive in his praise of the guys. And he was, I, I think, very deft in like acknowledging the work that members of the front office who aren't with the team anymore had done to help get them to this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just nice. Like he has a nice way about him. And, yep. uh, you know, now I'm going to be accused of being in the tank for Chris Young because he used to work for the league office. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's so tall, you know, is, like yes. I have a, I have a very distinct memory of being at winter meetings in Vegas, which was my first winter meetings and walking through the casino to get to coffee because that's what happens when you go to winter meetings in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, from a from a football field's distance almost, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Chris Young because he yep. was like 
not just a head taller than everyone else, but like a torso taller. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> he is such a he is just a very tall man. I was very on tall. a panel with him once, and <laughs> and um, fortunately we were seated. But even so, there even was a so, significant difference. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm an average heighted man, and he's yes. he's a full foot taller yes. than I am. He's towering. Yeah. Towering figure. Towering figure, yeah. <laughs> Physically, at least. So, yeah, impressive. And I also was just, I guess, you know, the fact that the the rivalry, which is a real rivalry, the Rangers and and Astros-Texas yeah. rivalry was, was yeah. blunted, muted a bit by the fact that the home team was always losing. So it was a little sure. less, less loud, potentially. So that was semi-disappointing. And, you know, you're not going to get that same rivalry in the series. But whether we get a Diamondbacks-Rangers or, or Phillies-Rangers matchup, if it's Diamondbacks-Rangers you're going to get two pretty bad bullpens by the oh, standards yeah. of of pennant winners, right? Like, got to be up there among worst bullpen teams to match up in a World Series. And if it's Phillies, then I think there's probably a distinct bullpen advantage there. Yes. Craig Kimbrell's best efforts notwithstanding. I just wonder whether the Rangers have gotten any clarity in their run thus far, like going into the World Series, yeah, you have Spores who's pitched very well in the postseason. So he's uh, established himself as fairly reliable and ascended the hierarchy. And you have Leclerc, not that he's been spotless and unscathed and untouched. Sure. And then you have Chapman, who you just, he, he, it's funny, like seeing Kimbrell and Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> like two of the defining relievers of the era, right? Yeah. And and guys who will probably have Hall of Fame cases made for them, certainly Kimbrell, right? Yeah. And, you know, Kimbrell has has a case if you're someone who believes in in putting a lot of relievers in the hall, the the comps for Kimbrell, you know, fairly persuasive. He's he's right around there. But I wonder whether it has to count against you in a Cooperstown case down the road because you know how some players will get extra credit because people will say, oh, he was so feared, right? Like the Jim Rice right. argument, most feared hitter. Well, Craig Kimbrell is feared in a different way. Like his his <laughs> fans of his team do not want him in the game. And I know this is not peak Craig Kimbrell we're watching here, sure. obviously, right? But obviously. Craig Kimbrell has inspired a lack of confidence for for a lot of his career. For someone yeah. so accomplished with the resume that he has and as many saves as he has, when he was very young with Atlanta, obviously he was just totally dominant and filthy, yeah. right? But for a lot of his career, years when he's still been the capital C closer, he led the Phillies in saves this year too. Yeah. He has not inspired faith really and no that's probably true of a lot of closers maybe sure. most closers you know yeah. like I, I think many fans would say that it's an adventure when their closer comes yes. in. yes 
my mom famously thought even Mario and Mariana Rivera was not to be trusted. <laughs> I I just like it's such a it's such a take. It's a very it, it confident. Really is. Yeah. It's a very confident take. You know, I respect I respect it. I think for that reason. In her defense, even Mariana Rivera pitching as many postseason innings and in huge games as he did, and and as incredible as he was in those games, you know, you throw anyone out there enough times, and they're gonna screw up sometimes. And even Mariano Rivera has a couple notable postseason blown saves and losses to his name, you know, in that are sort of uh, sports traumatic for fans of that era who are used to winning constantly. <laughs> yeah. I'm speaking from experience here, but he's the exception. He's the one guy you just really trusted and you wanted on the mound, aside from my mom. And Everyone else, uh, almost everyone else, is is in a lower tier. So, so maybe it's not fair to hold it against these guys. But man, like when someday people look back at their stats, they will be wowed by them and should be, and their consistency by reliever standards. But having lived through the yeah. Craig Kimbrell experience, it was it was not a smooth ride for much of the way. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know whether to hold that against him. That's the sort of thing that if he does make the Hall of Fame someday, it, it won't be on his plaque, probably. Like right. people were terrified when Craig Kimbrell yeah. came into games <laughs> to save fans, save games for their team. You were not always pleased to see Craig Kimbrell, at least for large portions of his career. So it's it's kind of a weird thing that someone who has excelled to the degree that he has on the whole just uh, really makes you not want to look when he comes into games at times. I feel bad for your mom because if the Diamondbacks somehow win against, I mean, somehow that's rude, but like if the Diamondbacks win uh, against the Phillies today in advance, you know who they're, you know what she's going to see a lot of is Mariano Rivera quote unquote melting down against the D-backs for yeah, their last exactly. World Series victory. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah, that's that's my most painful sports memory oh, and I God. know no one feels bad for me as a former Yankees fan, but but that's one reason why I guess I'm not looking forward to a, a Diamondbacks return. Yeah. Like I'm I'm over fandom pretty much at this point, but but those those wounds Yeah, that one still is tender. Scar tissue has formed, but but yeah. still. Yeah, that that came at a, a formative time for me. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't bet. wouldn't care to see Tony Wilson. Mac and Luis Gonzalez and, and co a whole lot. <laughs> ben, you're going to see it just so many times. They, you know, <sighs> this is a an anniversary year for the D-backs. And yeah. so they've been playing, you know, highlights throughout the season of like, you know, the, the big moments. And, and you'll be unsurprised to learn that that year uh, figures very heavily in those. And as they have marched through this postseason, they have like a whole video package about like, the history of the D-backs in the playoffs. And, you know, they have two. They have one that is, like, the entirety of it, and then they have one that is specifically devoted to the World Series. And they have played it prior to every home playoff game um, because, you know, it's not the same people in the ballpark every time. And so, sure. But I am now very familiar with that, that video package having been there. Mo, it's not his finest effort, you know. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. boy, do they enjoy telling you about it, so... <laughs> Go Phillies. <laughs> Look, Not really. I can take I have, it. But. You know, I think that either would be fun and fine. Like, again, I, I would enjoy covering a World Series in person. That seems like it would be really exciting if 
the D-backs advance, I will miss trick or treat. So mm-hmm. like that's a mark against it. I want you know my Philly fan friends to be happy. I want the people I know who work in that org to get a ring. That would be so exciting. I think it would be a really cool step forward for the D-backs. I want the people who work for the D-backs to get who I know to get a ring. It's just you know I just want everyone to have a good time and feel like they did their best. And I'm going to be sad at the end of it regardless of the outcome. So in some ways it's a very Meg side of rooting. Interest. Yeah. I want everyone to do well and expect to feel sad no matter what happens. So. <laughs> you know who has had a really rough NLCS is, is Corbin Carroll. And so yeah. regardless of what happens, uh, it would be nice if his game seven were good. You know, that doesn't mean that the U-backs have to win, but like uh mm-hmm. feels like the, the young man is pressing a little bit. And so it would be nice if he had a, a, yep. a good time. That would be fun. I hope for Phillies fans that you just don't see any Craig Kimbrell at all um, for the reasons we just yeah. outlined. Low leverage Kimbrell is okay, maybe. I know his his last outing was not disastrous, but he got out of it, right? But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's never really routine. It's there's, not easy. Yeah. There's something to be said, not for a fan of the team, but for someone who doesn't have a strong rooting interest other than a desire not to see 2001 World Series highlights, or at least some sure, yeah, 2001 yeah. World Series highlights. Some others bring me great joy. But sure. but there's something to be said for bad bullpen teams mm. in the playoffs because yeah. comebacks, right? Like yeah. we, we like comebacks. We want to yes. see some late inning intrigue. And it can be kind of painful to watch Kimbrel mm-hmm. try to white knuckle through an outing. Oh yeah, man! <laughs> oh. Painful for me, let alone for Phillies fans. Oh yeah. But but in the interest of making it interesting at the end, right. there is something to be said for not just having a shutdown back of the bullpen where when you have a lead after six, uh, you feel quite confident. Right. If anything, you know, uncertainty, some some shakiness is is maybe more of a feature than a bug. Yeah, I think that that's right. If you're a neutral observer, although I have to say, I don't remember which of the, I think it was during game six, maybe that I said this, you know, there was like tense bullpen, this and that in that game for the Rangers Astros series, I should say. And I just was like, how are people who work for teams alive this time of year? Because I don't have... I didn't really have much stake in the outcome of that series, other than perhaps a slight preference to see Texas prevail so that we got a little break from the Astros in the World Series. And I was, like, white-knuckling my way through the later innings of that game. And so I would just be a ghost if I worked for a team, I think. I would Mm -hmm. be a, like, very sleepy ghost. Yeah. Do ghosts sleep? Mm. You know? I don't know. I don't know why they would need to, but who knows? Yeah, really. why would they need to sleep? What are they yeah. gonna do? Grow new skin? They can't grow skin. They have no skin. They got no skin, Ben. <laughs> no skin in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so the Rangers, I was trying to get at whether they had gotten any clarity into their pitching plans for the World Series mm. because they get to rest right now, but they right. don't magically grow better, more reliable relievers no. during this week. So they still just have their small group of guys that they right. trust or trust right. more than others, at least. And I wonder what you do with Max Scherzer now. Yeah. 
because speaking of quick hooks, he was out of that game early as well. Yes. Obviously, it, it didn't uh, go quite as disastrously for him as it did for Javier, but Bochi clearly was, was, you know, not giving him a long leash, even though he's no. Max Scherzer and right. he's a legend and he's one of the best pitchers of his era. And also, he seems like someone who would be scary to try to take out of a game, although he seemed to take it quite well from what we could yeah, see. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but, but just, I, I will miss uh, seeing Max Scherzer stock yeah. around the dugout when his career is over. Because even if he's not peak Scherzer performance-wise now, he's still right. peak Scherzer intensity-wise. Yeah. Just the, the mad gleam in Mad Max's oh, eye, his yeah. different colored eyes, it, uh, it, it still is unsettling in a way that it always was. <laughs> so, yeah. So I wonder what you do with him now. Do you just kind of piggyback him? Do you use him as sort of a opener, more or less, without without naming him an opener? Or do you hope that uh, another few days of rest and rust shaken off uh, transforms him back into a good pitcher? I don't know what you're going to get out of him or Gray, for that matter, at this point. He's had moments in these two starts where he has been, you know, throwing hard, where he's, his stuff has looked like it plays. But yeah, it's definitely not what it once was in a way that I think you'd have to, the, the most you're doing is a, a piggyback kind of a thing. I don't think you probably make him a glorified opener, but you're definitely not, I mean, what's the most what's the most you think you're getting out of him like yeah that was three innings maybe that was quick because because he had thrown what 40 something pitches and it's right. it's a game seven why mess around even if you're why mess around the rangers and you don't have as as many great options down there as you'd like right. you, you, you got big game montgomery so right. even if he's coming in in relief maybe you feel better about having him like as long as right. your your rotation is topped by big game montgomery and equally big game Ivaldi, I guess you feel pretty good about that, given those guys' postseason yes. track records and pedigrees. So so that's a strong start to your rotation. It just gets a little dicier with the After rest of that. the staff. Yeah. Well, and I do wonder, you know, I imagine that sort of where they're at in the series situationally will dictate some of it, right? Where you might give him, you know, if you find yourself up, 2-0 or whatever, you might give him a little more leash. Not that you would ever like punt on a, a playoff game, but the the degree of urgency that the um, state of the series demands, I, I expect will dictate a lot of it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's disappointing. I feel I feel for him. I'm glad that, you know, his sort of struggles and injury and whatnot haven't really dictated anything about this postseason run for them, um, which would have, you know, I would have felt bad about because it's like, he can't help getting hurt. You know, you trade for him. He's this big, splashy deadline acquisition. Like, does he, you know, get tagged to sort of unrealistic expectations by virtue of that and the fact that he's Max Scherzer, you know? <laughs> he's literally Max Scherzer. Yep. So, I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel great about anything 
kind of coming down to him because mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like it's going to go particularly well. Yeah. If we do get Diamondbacks Rangers, it, it won't be the finest display of <laughs> postseason pitching staffs that we've ever seen. It uh, Pitching and defense wins championships. I mean, I guess the defense part, but, yeah. but the pitching part, a little yeah. less certain. <laughs> Yeah, especially once you get past like the the good parts of it. Although, you know, some of the good parts of it haven't looked the best for say the Diamondbacks, but mm-hmm. yeah, like they're not overpowering in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um I hope that what everybody takes away from this is like you should just have a, as many good players as you can, you know? Just as many as you can, however you need to get them. Like just have as many good ones as you possibly can because then things are less stressful. Who wants to life is already very stressful. You you don't you why make it harder for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Just make it easier. Just sure. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. The more, the more good players, the merrier. So we we actually got a, a question from listener John, because you know how we, we talked recently about whether Dodgers fans might rather have kind of an inverted Clayton Kershaw career, right. who's yeah. uh, really great during the postseason and, and so-so during the regular season. And we didn't reach a firm conclusion there, but but I, I always want to stick up for the value of the regular season and yes. the entertainment that you get during the regular season, which is the bulk of baseball action. Right. And so even if you had gotten great playoff Kershaw and even if that had potentially led to another championship or something, just think of the the many, many happy hours that you've spent watching regular season Kershaw just dazzle opponents of the Dodgers. But we got a listener email from John who said, maybe Ivaldi is the inverse Kershaw. Maybe maybe this is the kind of career that we were talking about where he has a, a over four ERA in the regular season and a sub three ERA during the postseason. It's not quite as drastic a split as uh, Kershaw's at least ERA split is, but but it might be similar with the peripherals. Like Valdi just has been better in the playoffs. And yeah. if, if, if you're even as good in the playoffs as you are in the regular season, that's pretty clutch. That's pretty impressive yeah. because you're facing tougher opponents. Yes. And so if you manage to step up your game in 15 postseason games, 10 postseason starts, then that is really meaningful. So for him to yeah. go from 4.1 ERA in the regular season to 2.87 in the postseason or 3.83, 2.71 FIP-wise thus far, yeah. And, and you know, you'd probably you could say that Ivaldi uh, has brought a lot of joy to fans of the teams that he's pitched for and excelled for in the postseason. Now, as John pointed out, lifetime earnings wise, there's a pretty big difference there in the sense that uh, Kershaw has earned almost 300 million and Ivaldi's earned about 100 million. So that uh, tells you what teams will pay for. They will pay for performance in the long haul and they were hope for the best in the postseason. And Ivaldi, I guess, is a, a couple years younger than Kershaw now. And Ivaldi is not going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, which Clayton right. Kershaw is. So I'm, I'm not saying to take that so seriously. But if you were looking for, for an example of what that might have looked like, I guess Nathan Ivaldi is, is a pretty good one to pick. Yeah, I think, I think that that is a very good comp. Oh, man, what a... What is Sophie's choice we inflict on people? Jeez. Yeah. So is there anything else that we can say about 
what has happened in the series so far. I guess, you know, it probably doesn't make sense to go too deep into Diamondbacks Phillies, uh, which will be decided by the time people hear this. So next time we can talk about the resolution of that series. And obviously we can look forward to whatever the matchup is in the World Series. But there has been other good baseball that we didn't get to dissect in depth and once the series moves on and once the series is decided, I don't know how much appetite there is to return to earlier games, at least in yeah. the immediate aftermath. But I don't want to give short shrift to anyone. So uh, <laughs> is there anything before we hold our peace about these series? I mean, we'll talk about Game 7 the next time we pod, but mm-hmm. um, boy, can Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber hit the ball far. <laughs> yeah. Um their home runs are emphatic. They sound different. They are uh, inspiring. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting to see Arizona be kind of more aggressive from a base running perspective in game six than they had been. It was starting to emerge as a sort of storyline that yeah. um, they have been pretty reluctant to run. Some of that, I'm sure, is um, respect for... Real Muto and what he can do. Some of it, I think, is that, you know, the Phillies have pitchers who feel their positions well and are quick to the plate. No, not so much. Probably not a mistake that they were uh, more aggressive against him. It is interesting that Carroll in particular hasn't really tried to do anything. They stole bases in game six, but he was not uh, one of them, I don't think. I don't think he had a stolen base in game six. So it'll be interesting to see, like, how that factors. We'll have a sort of rematch of. Um, Fought versus Suarez, but obviously the neither of those guys will be on the mound when the game concludes, unless something extremely weird has happened. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the you know sort of regular cast of characters um, that we have seen out of the bullpen for both of those squads, you know we know that it sounds like Gallon will be available for the D-backs, that Wheeler will be available for the Phillies. We haven't seen any of Taiwan Walker. Um, so I wonder how, if at all, he will get inserted into this if the need arises. Um, but seeing how they kind of piece their way through each innings worth of outs will be interesting. You know, maybe Tori Lovello needs to talk to Merrill Kelly more about when he's getting pulled from mm-hmm. games because, boy, did he look pissed yesterday. He was pitching really well, but, yeah, he, he did not want that handshake. No. He did not want that handshake, and he seemed quite surprised when it came. So, you know, it's always hard to know um, how much of that is, like, sort of like an actual failure of communication, how much of it is... I knew what the plan was, but I'm pitching so well that aren't I mm-hmm. just going to stay in? You know, both times that that Lavello has pulled a starter, quote unquote, early after he's been quote unquote cruising, it has worked out fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that sort of smooths anything with those guys. And I don't know how big a problem it really is, but it looked not pleasant in the moment. Merrill Kelly looked pissed mm-hmm. yeah so you know that's always an interesting thing to to just keep an eye on because i'm always curious sort of how managers deal with that because we've talked before about how one of the more important things that managers do are like those sort of personnel decisions some of that is about usage but a lot of it is about communication and we so rarely get like a real candid look at what that is kind of looks like in action and so when we get one and it's like i'm really pissed you're like oh interesting he's really Mm -hmm. pissed 
Yeah. And I didn't mean to also omit Cattell Marte when I was listing yeah. players who had just fantastic postseasons and, and in that? some Cattell cases Marte. had previous records of, of postseason excellence yes. and, and have only doubled down on that. He has been really, really, really good. Yeah. Just every round he's raked. So, yeah, yeah. He's, he's picked up the slack for some of the Diamondbacks guys who have not been hitting so well. Yeah. And... That's been fun to watch for me as someone who saw him his, you know, rookie year in Seattle when he was 40 pounds lighter and dealing with mono um, to see what he has evolved into has been really great. Let's see. What else am I intrigued by? We didn't talk about Bryce Harper stealing home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, that was cool and crazy. It was very Mm -hmm. fun. I was seated next to Jake Mintz when that happened. And, you know, this is like a thing that you see in college baseball a lot, um, albeit slightly different because you're far less confident in the quality of your fielders there. But that was cool. Um, I really would like it if Gabriel Moreno would stop getting blown up at home plate, uh, which I don't say, like, I don't think Bryce, like, did anything wrong there. I think it's just, like, a thing that I would like for Gabriel Moreno. But that was a really cool play. What else do I want to say about these Phillies and these D-backs? We'll talk about them more next time once we know how it all shook out. So Snakes alive. Um, we'll see. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I can I can be done now because yeah. you're you, right. We're going to talk about that more. How do you feel about Kirkering, the, the prominence that Orion Kirkering has taken on? Which <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess specifically... The, the game that he entered with, what, it was like two outs, two on in the seventh. I think it was the first time he'd ever inherited runners yeah. <laughs> in the major leagues, right? So, Which isn't surprising because he hasn't been in the majors uh, yeah, for very long. Right, and it's always been to start an inning. Yeah. I think, I think I saw it was the first time in his professional career that he'd been used on back-to-back days. Is that possible? I read I that. Know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that means major league career or it can't be his whole pro career, could it? Boy, well. I don't know. Anyway, that was a, a conversation that, that occurred because Kirkering, clearly, like, he's got great stuff and, you know. Yeah, he, that he's, slider's uh, incredible. Yeah, he's he's done well when he's been entrusted with, with some pretty important situations. And, and it's always fun when a bullpen guy can come up toward the end of the season and suddenly yeah. vaults into postseason prominence like this. But... I don't know if it's going back to the well one too many times or or in a situation where maybe it was asking too much of him. Who knows? It's it's already asking a lot of him to be <laughs> on yeah. the roster pitching in these really important games. And so to put him in a situation that he hadn't encountered before at this level, you know, that was maybe kind of questionable. But but they they really liked the guy. They do. They really like the guy. I get why that slider is incredible. I think the command is still evolving in a way that was kind of predictable. And when I say that, I mean when I read Eric's scouting report about (laughs) Ryan Kirkering. But he's got a great slider and an even better name. And Mm -hmm. it's very cool when you see a guy kind of make that rapid of an ascent. It is... You know, given the the overall strength of that bullpen, um, I think a testament to their faith in him that he has taken on the role that he has. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't really have more to say about Orion Kirkering. I mm-hmm. I wonder if his dad wants the camera in his face quite so much. Um, <laughs> I have developed this opinion. I 
think that family members should get to opt out of the camera being on them. Mm. In fact, I think they should have to opt in. Because, like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure some of them like it. All of them are excited. They're so proud. I would hate that. I would. Yeah. To be perceived, Ben? Yeah. No. Which should be like a player being mic'd up on the field during a yeah. game. It has to be voluntary. You have to agree yeah. to it beforehand. Yes. Yeah. I could see it. Being a, a nice memento of the experience, oh, sure. right? I oh, mean, sure. if, if something good happens, there, there have been so yeah. many heartwarming, you know, oh, the yeah. parents are looking on and, and weeping as the He kids, hits his first home run. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, Gorgeous. And it's, it's nice because the player can't see the reaction right. in real yeah, time, right? A, and so it preserves it for them. It's like a keepsake, but sure. But then what if things don't go so great? What if things don't go so well, you know? Or, or what if they do go well, but like... To your point earlier, you know, there's not one way that we react to good news or bad news. Like, mm-hmm. your body language can be all sorts of things. I would be, I f- always feel bad for, like, the wives and girlfriends. Like, if mm-hmm. my guy was playing, I'd be a disaster. I yeah. would be a weird gremlin. I'd be chewing my own hair. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want people seeing that. That's a that's a private bit of meg anxiety. No one else needs to be yeah. present for that. Or if it is a very cool customer, then right. you'd feel pressure to emote. Perform, <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I say this as someone who has spent a not small part of her career looking at faces in crowds, yeah. but I'd like it if everyone opted in to that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I made fun of those poor Astros fans in their spacesuits. And you don't wear a spacesuit to the ballpark and think, no, I, I don't want to be looked at. You know, that <laughs> the the act of putting on the spacesuit is in some way um, consistent consenting to being observed because mm-hmm. otherwise what do you what are your expectations like re- reasonably yeah. but but i feel you know like they're just two dudes heartbroken that their dumb baseball team lost and now we're all making fun of them on twitter i don't know like mm-hmm. we could be nicer i guess last thing there was a bit of managerial news non-playoff yeah. related <laughs> so so bob melvin going back to the bay area reportedly yeah. To manage the San Francisco Giants. The Giants. Yeah. So, how about that? It's got to be unusual for a a manager who has been as successful and respected as Bob Melvin and seems to be largely well liked, a three time manager of the year award winner, and many postseason appearances and a winning record and 20 seasons as a manager. I guess it's the second time now that his team has just been like, yeah, you can go manage that other team. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like with the A's, it was kind of a favor to yes. him. It, it wasn't like they wanted him to leave. It was like, no. look, Bob, things we are going to get bad here. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get real rough for a while. Why don't yeah. you? Why don't you go? You have a chance to to go manage the Padres, uh, right? Where things are just going to go great great <laughs> then then we'll let you take that chance and you won't have to suffer through the sell the team era of the A's, yes. right but now yeah. it, it seems like a case of gosh there's been so much reporting about the rift between yes. bob melvin and aj preller yeah. and it was said after the season like peter sadler was uh, supposedly happy enough with with his leadership team that he was going to keep them in place and and they all said the right things and they were going to work mm-hmm. it out <laughs> And then they're like, yeah, division rival, you, you right. can interview Go our manager. You can yeah. hire our manager who's still under contract with the team. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I guess that kind of tells you all you need to know about the state of that Preller-Melvin relationship, probably, because you don't just let a respected manager of what is supposed to be a contending team walk to a division rival like that unless there's just no love lost or or it would be tough to repair that relationship. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't suggest that things are good over there. I wonder how long of a leash AJ has. I do wonder about that. I think that he's likely to make it through this offseason because if they were going to move on, they might have kind of made moves to do that already but i do i do wonder how long his leash actually is so Mm -hmm. yeah all right well enjoy game seven which you will have already enjoyed or not by the time you hear this so i don't know why i would even say that but we will discuss it next time well i hope you did enjoy game seven i enjoyed game seven the phillies did not enjoy game seven not its outcome anyway your national league pennant winners the Arizona Diamondbacks. Just as we all foresaw, congrats to them. Fairly good game. Close one. Hard-fought seven-game series. And yeah, I'm definitely in for some 2001 World Series highlights. And buckle up, because I'm already seeing takes about the TV ratings and how another wildcard team winning a pennant means that we must contract the playoffs, which I'm not against, by the way. Just when you thought playoff format discourse had quieted. We have a few days without baseball for it to really ramp up again. Uh, Whether you're excited about the World Series matchup or not, and I think there is plenty to be excited about. I hope we get a good series. We will discuss that much more next time. One follow-up for you. Last time, we answered a listener email about a pitcher with two right hands and what that would look like and how it would work. Would it be effective? And would it, we wondered, even be anatomically possible? I don't know that we wondered. We sort of assumed it wouldn't be. But now we have confirmation. Kind of. From a listener and Patreon supporter, Alex, who writes in to say, I'm not an orthopedist or a biophysicist by any means, but I did go to medical school, and I've studied a decent amount of anatomy, so I feel mildly qualified to weigh in on the pitcher with two right hands. Much more qualified than Meg and I were. Sorry to rain on the parade, but I doubt this pitcher could exist, and I'm even more doubtful that any such reversed hand would confer any pitching advantages. I'll just focus on the nerve supply because I know it best, but there are similar arguments regarding vasculature, musculature, and skeletal structure, each of which, by the way, has distinct embryological origin, making the notion of such a reversal even more far-fetched. There are essentially three nerves which supply the hand, but they do so in a highly specific way. One nerve supplies the first three and a half fingers of the palmer side, one nerve supplies those fingers on the backhand side, and another nerve supplies both sides of the remaining one and a half fingers. Here's the problem. That arrangement of nerves in the hands can be traced all the way back to their roots coming out of the spinal cord with a great deal of consistency from person to person. So, getting back to this hypothetical picture, what would two right hands even mean? How much in this hypothetical is reversed? It becomes a very slippery slope all the way back to the shoulder. I tried to clarify part of this question by referring to the original AI image that prompted the email. To my dismay, what originally had looked a little bit like an elbow turned out to be a random portion of a calf and heel stuck onto the backside of the appendage in question. Just look closely and you'll see it. Ultimately, if the hand is reversed and we're assuming that it is able to grip a ball and perform other functions as if it were a right hand, 
then nearly all of the arm would also have to be anatomically reversed. But then we start getting into questions about spinal changes and or balance. Even in the wild hypothetical in which someone is born with a normally functioning left arm connected to another right hand, and there are not any clear biomechanical limitations as a result of this, my guess is still that the individual would end up having functional limitations in our world, which would require a process of adaptation to various other life tasks long before the notion of pitching mechanics became relevant. That would inevitably lead to physical changes, such that I sincerely doubt we would be able to categorize the hand into either a resembles-the-left-hand bucket or a resembles-the-right-hand bucket. Finally, it's worth appreciating Jim Abbott here, who had a 20-war career as a starting pitcher despite having zero right hands. Good point. Always a good time to appreciate Jim Abbott. Thank you, Alex, for sharing your expertise. We have a lot of very smart listeners who are willing to waste a lot of time talking to us and listening to us, and in some cases, like Alex's, supporting us on Patreon, which you can do by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. The following five listeners have already signed up and pledged some monthly or yearly amount to help keep the podcast coming, help us stay mostly ad-free, and get themselves access to some perks. Austin Hall, Fengi Pants, Carl Panthers, Drew Broadfoot, and Matt Eddigson. Thanks to all of you. Patreon perks include access to the Effectively Wild Discord group for patrons only, which is where you can catch our second of two playoff live streams, which we will be hosting this Friday evening during World Series Game 1. You also get access to monthly bonus episodes, one of which, in theory, we will also be recording this weekend. And you can get discounts on merch and ad-free fancrafts memberships and much, much more. Check out all the offerings at patreon.com slash effectivelywild. One little perk, if you're a Patreon supporter, you can message us through the Patreon site and then we know it's coming from a patreon supporter but anyone and everyone can contact us via email at podcastfancrafts.com you can rate review and subscribe to effectively wild on itunes and spotify and other podcast platforms send us your questions and comments you can join our facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild you can follow effectively wild on twitter at ewpod and you can find the effectively wild subreddit at r slash effectively wild thanks to shane mckeon for his editing and production assistance we'll be back with another episode soon talk to you a little later this week <laughs>